again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 45 of Hunter Hunted, the final chapter of my AVP fanfiction from all those years ago. As always, I do hope you've enjoyed this little stroll through the AVP universe that I created, and have now decided to retell in my own voice. And I do thank you for taking this stroll with me and revisiting this. I mean, it's not for everybody, I know that. I mean, audiobooks and podcasts and everything are a bit of a different field from where it all started, where, you know, reading a fan fiction to listening to somebody telling it to you, especially when they have, for instance, like this one does, erotic elements, can be kind of a slightly embarrassing thing, especially if you decide to listen to it without headphones on the bus. But if you pull that one, then... uh, I'm not being held responsible for that. I mean, if if you've got my Welsh voice screaming out in the middle of a bus, screaming, oh, ack, then, yeah, that that one's on you. If, you. if you're not plugging the headphones in, that one is totally on you. I'm not taking responsibility for that. But I do hope you've all enjoyed this little stroll as much as I've enjoyed telling it. And from next week on, we're going to be dealing with um, the enemy of my enemy. I did promise that I'd go through all the fan fictions one at a time while I'm doing Radiance and everything else. So... Enemy of my enemy is going to start up next week. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, and the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own AVP or anything to do with the studio. That's the, that's all theirs. I just own all the Huntresses and Clan Mason. And I'm off to go and be with them. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 45. Allegiance. As she released her beloved Ack from her embrace... Tekeleth turned her attention to the vile female that had been the cause of all their pain, the one who had taken away their beloved cubs from her, and threatened their very lives, putting in motion this chain of events that had led them here to this very moment. She started to walk towards the female as she laid on her back, defeated. I'm going to finish this once and for all. You will never threaten me or anyone else's cubs ever again, she said in a dark voice. But before she could raise her arm to strike the final blow, she felt a vice-like grip grip her arm and pull it back, and she looked to see was crazy enough to stop her from ending this vile creature. She was shocked to see that it was her beloved Ack. Don't. It wasn't her fault, Ack said in a stern voice. Tick looked at him like he'd gone crazy. But before she could remind him about what they'd just been through, a light surrounded the bad-blood queen. As they everyone else turned, they gathered to look at what was happening. A black smoke appeared in the form of a screaming human. A figure was being ripped from her very body. Then the bad blood queen floated off the floor, foot dangling lifeless. As promised, my sweeted beloved daughter, I restore to you now what was cruelly taken from you by the vile trickster god. Your life and your vitality will be yours once more. A honey-sweet voice floated through the air and was heard by everyone present. Suddenly the white light surrounded the bad blood queen and roared around her like a billowing white flame. It reminded Tick Ellis of the aura that surrounded her beloved Ack when she'd seen what she looked like through his eyes. In a bright flash, the female that was left floating momentarily before being laid back on the floor gently changed. Gone were the scars and the wounds. Gone was the black, vile tint to her skin, now replaced with a light brown and black pattern. Gone was the blood red of her eyes, and was replaced with a pale green colour. In fact, the now much younger-looking female that was laid on the floor was vastly different from the one that had been there seconds ago. But the looks were almost the same, just much prettier than she'd been a second ago. As Tick watched in utter shock and surprise, Ack walked over to the prone female and offered her a hand to get her to her feet, which she accepted meekly, and Ack pulled her to her feet. Now the young female looked around herself at the watching observers. Gone was the look of malice, now replaced with a fear and nervousness. It's okay, you chack. You don't have to be afraid. No one here will hurt you, and if they try... They're going to have to go through me first, Ack said in a voice loud enough that everyone gathered heard his words. Now emboldened by having herself a powerful woman protector by her side, Ack stood up straight to her full nine feet height and looked around the group again. There were very mixed emotions in the group around her, some of malice, but mostly of confusion. 
The female Yujuta, who she recognised to be Ak's life mate, approached them, looking first at her, and then at her beloved Ak, then at her again. There was confusion painted all over her face. What is happening, Ak? she asked slowly. The powerful woman dream warrior turned to face her. It wasn't her, my beloved. A bizarre body was possessed by the vile trickster god, Loki. The woman we saw do all those vile things was not the one you see before you now. He possessed her and used her powers to his own advantage, while joy riding around in her body, leaving her a prisoner in her own mind, able to hear, feel and see everything, but unable to do a damn thing about any of it. What you just saw was Pyre extracting the vile one from her soul and restoring her Jack back to the way she was before he got his claws on her, Ak said. Tickle's mandibles dropped open in shock. That's horrible. I can't imagine the pain you must have seen and felt, she said with genuine sympathy in her voice. Jack looked at her humbly. I never want anyone to be hurt on my expense ever again. I have witnessed pain beyond measure, and for what it's worth I am so very sorry for what he did to you and to your beloved cups while in my skin, Jack said in a very nervous and meek voice as she faced the mighty huntress and clan matriarch. Tick's expression softened as she saw the genuine remorse and pain in the female's eyes. Slowly she reached up and placed a large hand on her shoulder. Instantly she felt her Jack flinch at her touch she saw the fear in her eyes. She also seen her eyes flick to Ak, who was now designated as her protector, and she knew that this gentle woman would have never done any of those horrid things to anyone. She glanced at Ak, and she saw him nod and smile. She returned it, and then turned to fix the mixed group of Uman, Jujuta and Kiramande. This female is not to be harmed. She is now a member of Clan Mason and she is under our protection. If any should feel that they have a right to claim vengeance against her for the horrible crimes that she committed not of her free will, then they will answer to us. Tick roared in a mighty voice that boomed off the very walls of the cave. As she did, she felt Ak move up to her side and stood proudly beside her. She then saw four figures heading from the crowd towards her. It was her beloved Cab Ryan and his three Kiramande queens. Straight away he joined his parents and his father patted him lovingly on the shoulder, drawing a smile between the two dream warriors. The small group was framed protectively by the large queens, one still wearing her fierce-looking boo crown. The small but very powerful group was collected around Jack, who stood in the middle as they turned to face the larger one. Both groups stood ready. There was a lot of confusion among the much larger group. Finally, it was old Jack's old friend Miller that stepped forward from the ranks. What's happening here, Jack? One minute she's our sworn enemy, and now she's your friend, and you claim her as part of her clan? He asked. His question resonated amongst the larger group, and they all stood nodding their heads and looking at each other. Rather than answer him, he glanced both at Ryan and her Jack, and smiled at both of them. Having spent time in his head, he knew both that smile and meant he had a plan. So he stepped forward, both of them followed suit, and stood at his shoulders. I know this is confusing for you all, and hell, I'd be confused as hell in your shoes. So rather than try and explain it, this royal clusterfuck to you, I have something else in mind. With the aid of my two dream warriors here, I'm going to show you, Jack said. And with that, his eyes switched from their usual brilliant blue to that amazing bright purple they used when his powers kicked in. Instantly, Ryan and Jack knew what to do, and they both grabbed an arm each as he raised them level with his chest. Instantly, both of their eyes glowed purple as well, and bolts of bright energy shot from all three of them. They hit every single living being here, caused their eyes to switch and match those of the dream warriors that they were connected to. Brace yourselves, everyone. This ride is not going to be a fun one, Jack said. And with his pooled memories and powers, he pulled all of her Jack's memories together and broadcast them full, raw and extent to everyone. There was a stunned silence as each living being here, including the little white warrior cat, 
and the three queens were locked into Jack Jack's memories. They relived every second of the living hell that Loki had put her through, right up until where Jack had defeated him by unleashing the horde on him and allowed her to send the pain of the Legion into his mind. After it was over, the three dream warriors released the group from their hold, and as they scanned the gathered faces, there was not a dry eye in sight. Even the queens of Boo seemed to be highly affected by the unrelenting trauma that had been inflicted on Jack. Suddenly there was not one expression of hate or malice among them now, only pity and sorrow for the innocent dream warrior that had been tricked into doing all of this. All for want of a friend, of someone to care about her. Again it was Miller who was the first to move. Slowly he walked right up to the larger Juta female and he reached up and placed a hand on her arm. All the time under the cautious gaze of Jack, she flinched instantly, still not used to being touched in a nice way. But his touch was not one of malice, but one of soft sympathy. I am so very sorry for what I said. I had no idea of the hell he put you through. Can you ever forgive me? Miller asked in a soft voice. Jack's face cracked into a large smile. If you too can forgive me for what I did at his hands, Jack said, deliberately avoiding using Loki's names. Miller smiled at the large female, who was a hell of a lot better looking since Pyre had restored her to her former glory. There's nothing truly to forgive, he said softly. Then slowly others from the group started walking up to her, and each and every one of them one at a time placed a hand on her. Even the three queens joined in, while Boo just jumped from the queen's head for the first time since he'd become a living crown. He landed on her shoulder and nuzzled her face affectionately. It was too much for her, Jack. She was not used to such kindness or such sympathy. Tears started to flow down her face, and teared eyes searched for Jack, and she saw him with Tick Aleth leaning on his shoulders with her arms draped around her beloved male from behind. Both were smiling at her brightly. Never in her life had her Jack dreamed that such love and such happiness were possible for her, especially from a group of strangers, half of them who weren't even her own species. She'd never been so happy in her life. After the mini love fest was over, the whole group turned to face Jack again, and again it was Miller who stepped forward seemed to have become the unofficial spokesperson for the whole group. So what now, boss? he asked, looking Jack in the eyes, and Jack grinned broadly. Damn, you haven't called me that in years, he said with a smile. Miller grinned back. Seemed appropriate, since we were one of, it was once again you that led the charge that pulled everyone's arse out the fire. You might have become some sort of alien spirit warrior king thing that talks to dead and has fallen in love with a seriously kick-ass huntress. Though it looks like she could tear the universe in half with her bare hands for her family. But once a badass, always a badass boss, Miller said with a grin as his vision flicked between Jack and Tick and back to again. Tick Alice clicked her mandibles approvingly. This old man has good eyes. He is wise and knows a true huntress when he sees one. I think one of my kind will, kind will seek to claim him rather quickly, Tick said to Jack in his shooter. Jack laughed and then glanced at his bloody life mate. Think of playing your shooter Cupid, eh, my love? He replied in his shooter. Tick cocked her head curiously. What is a Cupid? she asked and Jack grinned. In my culture, they are the angels of love. They strive to spread love and matchmake. Though I don't think I've ever seen one trying to pair off Yajutas and humans before, he said with a grin, and Tick smiled broadly. Well, I don't think I need to be a Cupid. There are already a few admiring eyes on him, she said, nodding her head in Miller's direction, but not directly at him. Jack followed her gaze, and he saw three Yajuta females all staring at the back of Miller's brown-haired head with doe-like eyes. To Jack's total surprise, one of which was a Jack and he laughed out loud. Oh God, he's in for a treat when he discovers the joys of Yujuta courtship, he said, grinning. This made Tick click her mandibles in that usual sensual way that Jack loved. It was much delightfully a soft noise. He glanced at her. I think I've earned some woman love of my own, she purred in a soft tone, 
or stroking his shoulder and his arm seductively. Jack smiled broadly. Definitely. When we get some privacy, my love. I think after all this, we've definitely earned some alone time, just me, you and a broken bed, he said, stroking her hand softly. She cocked her head in confusion. A broken bed? she asked, and Jack smiled softly. Or at least it will be when we're done with it, Jack said, smiling. This cause ticked a purr softly. She had desperately missed the touch and passionate embrace of her male. They had been apart for too long, and her body was really aching for him. Really didn't help that all the combat had really fired her up. It was taking all of her strength to restrain herself from grabbing her beloved woman, throwing him over her shoulder, and making a beeline for the quarters aboard their ship. And suddenly a voice snapped them out of their happy little bubble that they'd gone into. Uh, you guys know half the group speak Yejuta, right? Ryan's voice suddenly said to their left. Both of them snapped a look at him as he stood there with Shena. Both of them were blushing slightly, though while Ryan looked mortified, Shena was smiling rather too broadly. Then both of them looked at the group. The Yejutas all looked like they were about to have a collective aneurysm at the obvious feelings and passion between these two. As their eyes snapped at the group, each and every Yejuta's eye suddenly seemed to be looking at something else. This seemed to be a subconscious draw from their eyes to the woman that had caught their attention somehow. Uh, you guys were talking about me, weren't you? Or at least you were until you went off into that happy little bubble you seemed to be in at the end there, Mella said, drawing their attentions back onto him again. Tick smiled sheepishly and Jack grinned broadly. Oh, it was nothing bad, I promise you. I just could have sworn I saw a Yejuta-shaped cupid floating around your head for a moment, Jack said, smiling. And Miller actually looked confused. And then he actually looked up as if to see he could see, said Yejuta-shaped cupid. This caused Tick to chuckle in that delightful way that always made Jack happy. But now while his confused friend was looking for an invisible alien angels, it was time to take more, sa- more serious matters to be attended to. Just before Jack was able to address the whole group, a familiar voice from behind him squealed in absolute glee. Both him and Tick turned around, just as Grace and the other civilians emerged from the group t- towards the warrior group. Oh my god, there's so many of them! This is awesome! She said as she bounded into the middle of the group, quickly observing each Yejuta closely before moving on to the next. Then she froze solid as her eyes locked onto the three queens flanking Ryan. She shot straight towards them and started circling them without a single hesitation. Holy shit, I never in a billion years imagined I'd get to see one of these up close, she yelled excitedly. Behind her, Salar Elith was supporting a limping but now patched up and on his feet Robert, who with Amy was holding up the other side of him. As soon as he saw his owner, Boo the warrior cat, detached himself from the queen's head that he'd clambered back up onto after he'd left a jack's shoulder, and he sprinted right up and jumped into her arms with a joy-feud meow to see his beloved owner safe and sound. The queen, who had become the surrogate caretaker of the little cat, slowly approached the small child, who looked up at her with a mixture of fear and awe on her face. "'Wow, you're huge!' Amy said quietly. Slowly the queen reached down and plucked Amy from the ground with Boo on her shoulder, before placing them both protectively on her own shoulder. Jack smiled broadly at this little spectacle. He never imagined in a a million years that an alliance, let alone a friendship, would have been possible with their kind. But thanks to his amazing son, it was not only possible, it had become a reality. As he watched the mighty queen displaying the most amazing tenderness with the young child and her fearsome warrior cat, it was an amazing spectacle for them all to behold. As she stroked the human hatchling's soft skin, her sisters appeared slowly and approached her. You seem to have become rather attached to their kind sister, one of them said telepathically to her. She turned and smiled at her in their way. They're fascinating creatures. I feel such pity that many of their kind, many of our kind, killed so many of theirs during our birthings. If only they knew what our hosts really mean to us. That connection we feel before we're forced to take their lives for our own. Sisters, I swear to you now that if I ever have a hive of my own again, none of our offspring will be born 
of either of their species. We owe them too much to put them through such pain and fear again, she said back telepathically. Her other sister snickered softly, but it wasn't a laugh of malice or even of jest, but one of merriment at the fact that she'd just reached the exact same conclusion herself. Then her second sister, who had spoken first, turned to her again. Well, if you're thinking of making one of these humans your king, you're going to have to be quick. I think they are quickly being picked out by the female huntresses, from what I'm seeing here, she said, and the three of them observed the group. They could clearly see the amorous thoughts and looks from the Ajuta females being aimed at various human males in the large group. As she tickled the young hatchling on her shoulder, the young one giggled in such a delightful voice. You know, I think I might just try that. A human king. So small and so fragile, but at the same time so powerful and fierce, and packed with passion. Now wouldn't that be a really interesting experience? She asked, looking at her sisters, and they both smiled. I think you'd have to be pretty open-minded to want to choose one of our kind for a mate. One of them said softly. The three of them smiled at each other. But it'd be a hell of a challenge now, wouldn't it? Think of the joy of managing to woo one of their kind away from the females of theirs, and on to ours, the first queen said with a broad smile. And just think of the joy we could bring to their lives, as just as they have brought to ours, the second queen said softly, before the three of them turned once again to observe the group. But this time... Each of them had silently joined the Yujuta in carefully selecting a prospective human mate for themselves from the group. Jack thus decided this was the perfect time to address the whole group, as they were all gathered here now, and with them all starting to make friends, it would be a perfect time to start everything up. All right, everyone, listen up. It's decision time, he said in a loud voice, and instantly everyone in the group turned to face him. Look. I don't know about you, but I'm seriously ready to get the fuck off this rock and head home. But each of you is going to have to make a serious decision here and now. I know the Yujuta here have pretty much already made their decision to leave your clan, and for standing with my beloved son and life mate, you are already considered part of ours, Jack said in both English and then repeating in perfect Yujuta. This made all of the gathered Yujuta smile before they all looked at one another and into the gathered group. They saluted their new clan leaders. Both Jack and Tick smiled at each other at this, then returned to address both the humans and the queens. But for the rest of you, this is the choice I offer you. We can take you back to Earth, and we'll drop you off. You can go back to any family you might have left, and to try and make the best of the rest of your lives. But I warn you now, you'll never be able to tell a soul about any of this. Not if you don't want to end up in an asylum or a pariah from your families. You have to keep all of these experiences locked up in that dark place in your mind, never giving them a true voice, Jack said. The gathered humans talked this over amongst themselves in excited voices. Jack noticed that rather a few of the gathered Yujuta were looking nervous at this. Then Miller turned to look at Jack. So what's behind door number two then, boss? He asked and Jack Brin broadly. You open your minds, and you come with us, and you become part of our clan. We'll take you back to our home world, where you get to start a new life with people who understand you and what you've been through. You'll be part of a new family, one that understands you fully, and will look out for you no matter what. Clan Mason protects its own, no matter what the odds. We will stand together, we fight together, and we will die together. So I offer you the choice. Join us. And stand with us. Make this new life you can have a reality. I can't say it's going to be easy, as you'll all have to start from scratch on an alien world. You'll have to build your life with your own two hands. There might be problems, and you might be called on to defend your new family from any and all that would threaten our way of life. But know this, that you will have all of us standing by your side to lift you when you fall, to prop you up and to support you. And who knows... You might just find the part of your life you've always felt was missing was right there all along, Jack said, as he reached up and stroked the side of his beloved life mate's face at that last part. At his word, Tick leaned on his shoulders again, and she looked over his head at the group, 
as she purred softly at his welcome touch. Both Ryan and Shedder nodded at each other and went to stand shoulder to shoulder with Tick and Jack. This was followed sweet suit by Seller and Robert on the other side. Together they struck an impressive image for all of those watching. One family gathered together as one. Instantly the Yejuta in the group all walked forward to join their new clan leaders in a show of unity. Jack smiled at and welcomed each one individually as they presented themselves to their new clan patriarch. Then after the last one joined and stood shoulder to shoulder with their new clan, they turned to face the gathered Umans. The next move was the three queens. The one who was carrying Amy and Boo stopped in front of Jack and lowered herself till she was face to face with him. Slowly she reached out a large hand and placed it on the side of Jack's face and he did the same. In his head he heard a rather feminine voice. Is there a place for our clan kind in your clan, Godslayer? She asked and Jack replied and smiled to her telepathically. You are very welcome among us. You fought for my son and you earned his trust and I trust him. So now you have my trust as well, as well as my thanks. We would be honoured to accept you into our family if that is what you wish, he replied. The Queen hissed happily. Then she looked almost embarrassed as she felt the other two prodding her for the next question. Would it be okay if my sisters and I were to choose... She began, but her embarrassment got the better of her and she trailed off. She felt her sisters prodding at her again. Choose what? Jack probed questioningly. To choose a mate from among your ranks. Preferably a human. She said so quickly that the question was almost fired into Jack's mind. He looked surprised at first, but then a large sly smile crossed his face. Looking for a human king, are you? He asked and she looked embarrassed again, but then nodded silently. His smile broadened and widened. We do not oppress love of any kind, my good queen. I mean, look at myself for your example. I am a human, with a Yujuta huntress for a life mate, and two half Yujuta, half human children. I'd be a spectacular hypocrite if I forbade your love based solely on the fact that you're a different species from your chosen one. So if you fall for a human, and they return your feelings, then you'll be accepted as a couple much as any are here. I mean, look at the Yujuta here. Half of them are already ready to pounce on the humans, and I don't think they're looking for a fight. Well, not the bad kind anyway, if you know what I mean, Jack said with a wink. The Queen smiled broadly, as she sensed nothing but open honestly from the powerful human. But that being said, it is a two-way street, remember, Jack continued, and this caused her to look at him with confusion and concern. What do you mean, Godslayer? she asked. The one you choose must also choose you. The human heart is a mysterious and deep place, and I cannot, nor will not, force someone to become your mate against their will. And I expect the same from you. No one must be forced into it. It must be a mutual choice for both of you. Understand? Jack said with a serious tone in his voice, and the Queen nodded with a smile on her lips. Of course we understand, Godslayer. Love is not love if it is not consensual, and we would never dream of stripping our chosen male's choice from him. We want him to choose to be with us of his own free will, that we may experience the pleasure and joy of his love in its entirety and its purity. We are tired of being the objects of fear and of loathing. We wish to live peacefully within your ranks, with all of you at our sides, and to find the one that we can share our entire selves with the one we can show a true and pure happiness, she replied with a little embarrassment at that last part. Jack's smile instantly returned to his face. Then I wish you all the luck in the world on your endeavours, and I wish you a happy hunt. May they be fruitful, and may the one you find make you happy every second of every day and night, he said, and to this the Queen smiled broadly before briefly embracing Jack. Then she turned to her sisters, and told them what they were expected from, and that they were free to seek love among their ranks. The other two nearly seemed to do a little dance of joy, and then all three joined the group shoulder to shoulder with their new family. Well, so to speak, given their side was more like shoulder to kneecap. Jack smiled at this. 
he felt that life was really going to get real interesting on the home world very soon, with all these love-hungry aliens running around. He found himself hoping they were going to have enough open-minded humans to go around. In the case of the three queens, it was going to have to be very open-minded indeed. Turning back to the gathered humans, he saw them discussing their options. There were a few arguments, but Jack could hear logic and reasoning being used a lot here. But finally, Miller, Angel and Monty stepped forward from the ranks. Well, I'd love to go back to Earth, but I don't think it'd be much of a home anymore. I'd sit there every day thinking of what's out here, and knowing that what I know, and hate what ifs. Angel said in a soft voice. As she said the last part, she kind of glanced for the briefest second at a Yujuta male dressed all in crimson armour, who stood in the middle of Jack's group looking right at her. I agree. No one there will understand what we've been through, or what's happened to us. There's not a lot back there for us anymore, laddie, Monty said. What we're trying to say is, we chose door number two, boss, Miller said from high above them, a voice called down. We choose door number two, too. Amy yelled from high on the Queen's shoulder and boomed out of disagreement. Jack Afuna grew laughed at their enthusiasm. When they turned and walked down to Miller, he extended a hand towards him. Instantly taking it and shaking it vigorously, Miller smiled back at him. Tell you what, boss, feels damn good to be not be hunted anymore, Miller said with a grin, and Jack returned his broad smile. Oh, be under no illusions, Miller. You're still being hunted. Jack said, and Miller's face dropped into a frown. What? he asked, sounding anxious. Jack's smile widened even more, taking up even more of his face. Just this time, it's a very different type of hunting, he said, flicking his head over his shoulder, indicating something behind him. Miller's eyes flicked up to the gathered group behind, and Jack instantly noticed that three of the large Yuta females seemed to be looking at him, appeared to be rather doe-eyed and suddenly the whole Yejuta Cupid fling clicked into place in his mind. Oh, oh, I get you now, he said with a nervous smile at his old friend. Then he leaned in close and whispered in his ear. Uh, any suggestions, boss? he asked, and Jack smiled slyly. Yeah, just one. Brace your fucking self, he said. Now the united group was over a hundred strong. The Yejuta and Queens greeted each other and their new human clanmates enthusiastically as they all joined the group. Jack smiled at this as he saw the joy of the cultural exchanges already taking shape of the three species learned to greet each other properly. Alright everyone, grab what you need from the huts and we'll head out, Jack yelled above the noise, which seemed to be made, made up primarily of laughter and joy. The humans nodded and broke up to head to the huts to retrieve any meagre belongings they wanted to take with them. Sarah Aleth helped her beloved Robert back to his hut to retrieve his drawings and his kit, while Amy and Boo got a free ride on the shoulder of their new Kiramande protector. Jack spotted various Yejuta breaking off from the group in pursuit of various humans in order to offer their help to them. He even watched one of the Kiramande queens following Cortez in the direction of his hut, and he glanced at Tick, who was also watching this little display with rather amused eyes. And so it begins, he said with a grin at the sight of her face. She glanced at him and then back at the group. And this is all thanks to you, my love. Jack glanced at her again with a confused look on his face. And how did you work that out, my love? If anyone has to do with all these you to being here, it was down to our beloved Ryan, he said. And Tick shook her head and then turned to him and faced him again, gently taking his face in her hands as she did. True, but also not true, my love. You started all of this all those years ago, when you broke your chains and declared your love for me in that cave. If you had not taken that first step, then I don't think I would have been strong enough to have broken the chains on my own, and to have declared my love proudly for you, and this beautiful love we share for one another would have been nothing more than a fantasy for me but it is my reality now, and I could not be happier because of it. But it was your strength that gave rise to all of this. That first step you took all those years ago brought about all of this that you see now. They all see us as, our, as their examples, and of, of their own free will they break their own chains and want to seek out this true love for themselves, without fear of repression or worse. 
and it is what you gave them, the chance to be truly happy, she said in a low but emotion-filled voice. Suddenly she felt Jack's on the side of her face, and he tenderly leaned in and kissed her in her mouth. And if I had never met you, then I wouldn't have wanted to break my chains. If I had never met you, then I would have never realised that someone from an entirely different race was the true holder of my heart. I have lived my life real, never realising why there were always these jute-shaped holes in my soul. So if anything, we did it together. Each one on their own is strong, but together we're unstoppable, he said with a smile as they broke from their loving kiss. Then they embraced one another tightly and once again looked at the human group, scurrying around collecting their belongings with their various alien admirers in tow behind them. And now we have the chance to give chance to be unstoppable to so many others, Jack said. Not to mention happy and complete, Dick replied, and they shared another tender kiss. And when they broke, she leaned in close and whispered into his ear, Speaking of feeling complete, I wish they'd hurry up. You have a promise to honour in our quarters, my love, she said with a soft purring whisper, and he smiled softly. You should know by now that I always keep my promises, especially to you, my heart, he replied softly, and her smile widened as her purring intensified. After everyone was done collecting everything, the group made their way out of the cave and onto the surface. For many of the humans, there was a feeling that they had almost forgotten, as many of them were in that cave for a very long time. The feeling of the sunlight on their skin was amazing, and Jack was overwhelmed by the massive collection of happiness and joy all around him as he walked out into the jungle. Though he did have a little a chuckle as he looked over at the group, and he saw many are already budding off pairs already emerging. He had to give it to the Yujuta. They really didn't mess around when matters of the heart were at stake. Tick noticed him smiling at this and decided to explain. They've been so oppressed for so long and they've had these feelings inside them hidden away and they've been waiting like a bomb to go off. And now that they've been given this freedom, they've seized this opportunity with both hands and they're going to be damned if they're ever going to let go, she said defiantly. And Jack smiled broadly. It's just such a beautiful thing to see, all this budding love starting to burn all around us. It's just so, also so wonderful to see the Umans are beginning to awaken to their potential here as well, to open their minds to this whole new world and life, he said, as he noticed more than a few shy-eyed glances being given in the direction of their new alien suitors. As he observed their group, he noticed two things, one of which need caused him to laugh out loud, barely managing to stem it off at the last second. Tim Tick noticed it, and she turned to look, and instantly had a trim laughter of her own. On one side they saw their beloved Salareth carrying her beloved Robert along bridal style due to his injuries, and they were sharing such loving glances that it melted both of their hearts. But it wasn't that that made them laugh. It was fact that one of the queens had also noticed their daughter doing this, and had decided to try it out for herself so both of them were treated to the rather surreal sight of rather confused Cortez being plucked up off the ground despite his protest and being carried along bridal style by a rather amorous Kiramande queen. A few of the other group noticed this as well, and unlike Jack and Tick, they weren't unable to trim their laughs. This only added to Cortez's embarrassment at being carried along by the rather amorous queen, but they were soon trimmed when the queen shot them an angry glare. Instantly their laughter fell silent and their eyes were averted. Suddenly it was Cortez's turn to smile. Maybe it wasn't so bad having a protector like this around after all. And suddenly he'll almost look proud and happy to be carried along by the strong, powerful queen, who seemed to be rather enjoyed her catch, and now rather large smile on her face. Was anything to go by? Jack turned to Tick. Think he knows what she's trying to win his affection and claim him? He asked. Well, if he doesn't, going to be in for a very big surprise, Tick said with a soft giggle. I wonder if he'll be happy to be a king. King Cortez. Actually has kind of a nice ring to it now I think about it, he said with a soft smile. Yeah, kind of does, doesn't it? 
Tick said, smiling to herself as she watched the Queen happily strolling along carrying a human catch, who was now smiling all over his face. It didn't take too long for the whole group to reach their ship, or now, as it was, ships were parked. Jack looked at Tick questioningly as he saw the three shiny new Corvette-class ships parked next to hers. She just shrugged. We figured we'd rather than try and cram everyone onto one ship, we should get some more. And besides, I think the clan owed us that much for what they put us through, he said, and Jack simply nodded and turned to the group. He began dividing them up into groups to be added to each ship. He was being careful while making his selections. He was trying to spot any obvious connections between pairs as to not separate them and put them on different ships. He felt this would be especially important to helping the budding bods along, as he knew none of the humans would have experienced space travel before, and it's probably going to be kind of scary for them. So placing them with a potential suitor would not only help them stem their fears, but it would also help strengthen their budding bonds to the suitor, who would step in and attempt to quell their fears. Some were kind of obvious, like the Kiramande Queen and Cortez, which she'd finally put down on the ground again, but he'd chosen to stay by her side instead of rejoining the humans, which to Jack spoke volumes. Others were a little bit more subtler and harder to spot, like Miller and Hachak, but he was observing the group. He noticed them sharing side glances at each other through the crowd and decided it was trying to strap on a pair of Yajuta Cupid wings of his own and pull out his bow. It took a while, but finally they were all assigned to a ship, and each ship had a pilot. The loading didn't take very long at all, as everyone was eager to get underway and to get away from this place. Aboard his own ship with his beloved family and the others assigned to their ship, he walked across the deck to the stasis pods that were assigned. He watched the Yujuta helping the humans to get into their assigned pods. Being too big to fit into a pod the Queen that had been assigned to his ship, he decided to remain in the bay and to protect the pods. She was now curled up at the end of the deck, watching as everyone was loaded into their pods. It had taken a little bit of convincing, but she had allowed Ryan and Salareleth to take Amy from her and load her into a pod with her beloved warrior cat Boo at her side. Out of respect for the Queen's perspective feelings, they'd put her into the pod closest to her at the end of the bay. This had caused the Queen to coil herself protectively around the pod, while she watched over all the others. Salareleth had quailed Robert's fear as she'd helped him into his own pod. She really wished that these pods were made for two, as she'd have joined him in there in a heartbeat. Finally, the loading was done. Everyone was loaded into their sleep pods and was soundly in hypersleep. Now the only two left a week were Jack and Tick Aleth. Tick set the coordinates of their homeworld into the nav computer, and then broadcast it to the other three ships before takeoff. Then she watched as in perfect unison all four ships launched themselves into the brilliant blue sky, before it gave way to the empty black void of space beyond. All four ships formed up quickly into a formation with Tick's ship at the lead and the others following behind in a wing shape. At its point, she knew the pilots would be finalising their autopilot commands before retiring to their own sleep pods. Normally, she'd have been doing the same thing, but with a side glance at her beloved male who was in the, sat in the gunner seat, she had other plans, and a promise to make good on. The two of them were barely through the door to their quarters before they were tearing each other's armour off. They were doing it blind as they were locked together in a passionate tongue war as Tick Mandibles had Jack's face in her mouth in a tight grip. There was no way she was letting him go. Her whole body ached for the feel of her mail and she'd been denied that for too long. As soon as their armour off, she felt the wondrous sensations of her fingers gliding all over her skin, seeking out her most sensitive spot like little homing missiles. As she felt the tone of his fingers fingers sleep between her swollen outer lips, she let out a soft growl of passion. She needed no more stimulation this night, as she was already more than ready for her beautiful male, as, she, as he swiftly found out when she threw him onto the bed and pounced on him. But much to her delight, a beloved Mac was not giving up without a fight this night either. He spun her over and pressed her down, stealing a kiss from her mouth as he did. She roared in joy and defiance and fought back, 
spinning him over, using his weight as a counterbalance to throw him over onto his back again. Now it was her turn to straddle him and steal a kiss. But as she parted from him, he pulled something she'd never seen him do before. He literally pushed her backwards with such amazing strength before following her into the roll. The force didn't hurt her, certainly surprised her. She'd almost forgotten just how strong her beloved one was when he deployed his dream warrior strength. As she flipped out of the roll, she found herself on her hands and knees, searching for the now-disappeared Jack. Then suddenly she felt a pair of hands smack her bare bum before travelling the entire length of her body, gripping her breasts and tweaking her proudly erect teats. She roared in both surprise and in pleasure. She reared up backwards before feeling her male's chest and body against her back. He gently bit down on her neck and shoulder, or sucking at the area his teeth made contact with, causing Tick to let out a gasp of pure pleasure. Suddenly there was no more fight in her at all. Her whole body begged her to surrender herself to him, and she was not going to argue it with it this night. Take me, my love. I beg of you, she said, sounding breathless and very needy. Jack growled softly in her ear which sent a shiver of purest pleasure down her spine. Thought you'd never ask, my love, he said with a soft growl. Suddenly she felt him seize her hips with his hands, and quickly she lowered herself down onto her forearms so that her rear was presented fully to him. Then her mind was filled with a strange, fuzzy feeling. It took her a second to recognise. In fact, it was only when she saw her eyes in the mirror that she realised what he was doing. She had one bright purple eye and one bright brilliant blue eye. As she saw his face, she saw he had the same. Then before her adult, passion adult brain had time to realise what it meant, she felt Jack's malehood beginning to spread her burning, kneading, dripping, very swollen lower lips and beginning to slide inch by delicious inch towards her molten core. That she could also feel what it felt like to be inside her and without any reservations, she let loose a mighty roar of ecstasy as she felt him within her and felt what it was like to feel like to be within her at the same time. Their moans and roars of pleasure and wet slaps of their flesh meeting over and over again filled their quarters. Jack's hands gripped Tick's hips and firm buttocks as he drove himself over and over into the hot tightness of the woman he adored over and over again. He could feel every ridge every bump of her beautifully tight womanhood as his manhood drove in its entirety kissing the neck of her womb like a pair of loving lips he could also feel every one of her internal muscles trying their very best to hold on to him and to drag him ever deeper into her with every stroke but what neither of them knew is that right at this very moment their pure loving passion was being observed by three very curious now rather enfold observers. The Queen, who had been sleeping in the bay, had heard the noises travelling throughout the ship and had gone to investigate. The corridors of the albeit large Yejuta ship were easy for enough for a Yejuta or a human to wander about freely, but a bit of a tight squeeze for one as large as her. But soon she tracked down the source of the odd noises as she had stumbled on a now open door. Now she stood hidden in the blackest shadows as she watched the godslayer mating with his beloved female. She was enthralled by the beautifully intimate act they were committing together. Using her telepathic bond with her sisters, she began to share what she was seeing with them as well. Now all three watched in total rapture as both the godslayer and his female huntress roared so loudly as what must have been the most incredible, highly pleasurable, extremely intentional act and mutual climax tore through their bodies before they t- collapsed right into one another in a large sweaty heap. Silently the Queen made her way back to the sleeping deck and resumed her vigil over the pods, but now she felt something that she'd never felt before in her life, and she knew her sisters were feeling the exact same thing as it was echoing back to her through their bond. She felt arousal for the very first time. So that's what human love and passion looks like, one of her sisters said telepathically. No wonder that huntress chose him to be her mate. That looked like it felt wondrous for both of them. 
her other sister said. I agree, and you could feel the intensity of the love they held for one another, even without being linked to either of them. And oh, the passion looked completely overwhelming, the Queen said. Both of her sisters agreed. We need to secure human males for ourselves before all the hunters and huntresses steal them away, the second Queen said defiantly. Speak for yourselves. I'm already working on mine. I found the most beautiful male I've ever seen in my life, and he seems rather curious and receptive of my advances so far, the third queen said. This was the one who'd been carrying Cortez around bridal style throughout the jungle. Best move cautiously, though, sister. You wouldn't want to frighten him off. I would hate to see you fail because you didn't, because he did seem like rather quite a nice specimen of their species, by the looks of envy you were getting from quite a few of the huntresses anyway. Our queen said. The third queen gave a little laugh. You saw those as well, did you? Well, I have no intention of losing him to them. I'll make him mine if I have to move a mountain to woo him. Then I'll do it. Pebble by fucking pebble if I have to. In fact, I'll do anything to have to to get him to show me the love and passion that Godslayer shows his huntress. I really need to feel like that. I need to feel something she said with a voice filled with obvious passion and want. Both her other sisters instantly felt happy for her. It was good to see her getting off to such a quick start. Well, I have my eye on one too now as well, and I'll do everything I need to get him to notice me over those huntresses, the second queen said. Suddenly this surprised our queen, as she hadn't noticed her sister paying attention to anyone in particular. I did not see you approach anyone, my sister, our queen said. That's because I did not want to approach him outright and possibly scare him off. He's a rather nervous-looking one, but I sensed a deep-rooted intelligence in him. And I have to admit, he looks rather fetching. I like, rather like that slightly yellow tint of his white skin. And he looks like the very, not the, much of a combat type, more the deep thinker and builder type. I think he'd be a good one to build my hive with at my side, she said. And this left our queen feeling both happy and sad at the same time. It appeared both of her sisters were off to a head start, and she was the only one of the three without her eye on a human. Both her sisters sensed the sadness in her. Do not fear, my sister. I'm sure there'll be a human to show you the love that we all crave among them, the third queen said. Our queen just sighed. She hoped that she was right. Having now witnessed the beautiful, wondrous joy of human love and passion, she desperately needed and wanted to taste that forbidden fruit for herself. The rest of the flight was rather uneventful. After a night of passion together, Jack and Tick had placed themselves into hypersleep for the rest of the journey. The three queens were able to place themselves into a form of self-induced hibernation, but not before checking over their charges one final time, or indeed, their chosen ones. The ship's computers woke everybody up before they made planet fall. Tick's ship took the lead for the descent, while the other three ships followed down behind them, landing in the area near Jack and Tick's house. Fortunately, the clearing the Jack and Tick's house they used to keep their ship was easily large enough to land all four ships without any issue. As she powered down the ship's engines and cores, Chick glanced at her beloved male, who sat in the captain's seat, but now surrounded by the rest of their family as well. The sailor in the co-pilot seat and Robert next were on the engineering console. On the other side of Ryan, sat in the gun seat, was Shenna, sat next to him. We're finally home, Jack said. Yes, my beloved, and what's more, we're all back together the way we belong. More than that, we have new additions, Jack said, glancing back to his left and right, as his son and daughter and their respective chosen partners. Tick smiled broadly. Time for rejoicing and joy. Not to mention for a true heart claims to be made. She glanced both her cubs with a raised brow. And made they will be, both Brian and Sarah said in perfect union, causing their parents to smile broadly. Too the time for perfect joy to bloom. The large group of humans, Yejuta and Kiramande, strolled groggily down the exit ramps of their ships. They each took a look around at the huge forest they now found themselves staring at. Welcome, everyone, to your new home, the homeworld of Clan Mason, 
Jack said as he swung his arm around to show off the place they now found themselves in. Your new lives begin here, and now, so it's time to pick yourself out a plot and make something with your own hands that's going to be truly yours, he said, and suddenly the realisation all set in amongst the group all at once. They had done it. They had truly achieved freedom now. Freedom from oppression, of love and of choice. Freedom from being hunted like prey, for sport and sick amusement. Freedom from being the object of fear and nightmares. It was all theirs, and no one was going to take it from them ever again. As they looked around this free world, the group as a whole just broke down, and the tears were shed and hugs of joys and pure unity were shared between all species. The next few days went by like a blur. Everyone picked out a plot of land that they want to build their own little dream home upon. Once they'd staked their claim, Jack and Tech would go out and mark the boundaries of the property for them. They made sure that each and every one was exactly the same size as their own, to avoid any kind of arguments. While they had nowhere to sleep at the moment, so everyone slept on the ships for the time being. But each of them shared huge joint meals together at Jack and Tick's house to promote a sense of security and unity, and above all else, family. Because they were all one big clan now, and Jack wanted to make sure that each and every one of them felt it. So each and every one of them had their own place at the table, which he'd constructed himself with his bare hands outside his home. Amy and Boo were officially adopted by Jack and Tick in front of everyone, and both of them moved into their home. Jack loved watching Tick fussing over Amy in full-on Mama Tick mode again. One of his favourites was when he came in one night and found Tick asleep with Amy on her chest and Boo in her predlocks. It was such a beautiful sight to see the big huntress caring for the human girl with such tenderness that you could easily see that it came to her so naturally. It was at one of these large joint meals that both Ryan and Seller Aleph made their heart claims to Seller Mason and to Robert, and to much their joy, they had been reciprocated in both of them in front of their entire clan. Both Jack and Tick, as clans patriarch and matriarch, blessed the unions, and both couples shared their first public kisses in front of the entire clan. To say they were nervous was an understatement, but neither of them had been so determined before either. To their shared delight, Jack had promised to build them both houses on his property, so they would have somewhere to call their own, and somewhere to have their own privacy, so they could indulge their love and let it glow and bloom. To the whole time, Tick was praying for grand clubs to spoil and to teach the ways of the hunters. Yoshi Nambuku found his services to suddenly be in great demand. Suddenly he was put in charge of planning out each and every one of the houses that was to be built but he relished the challenge, and he felt the task would be accomplished much easier now that he seemed to have a rather friendly queen following him around all the time. Truth be told, while he'd been terrified of her at first, he was now rather beginning to enjoy, if not relish, her company. She was like no female he'd ever met in his life. She was immensely powerful and fierce, but with him she showed him nothing but soft care and attention, and for some reason he couldn't quite put his finger on seemed to quite share quite a strong bond with her, to the point that when she wasn't around or was off hunting, he began to feel like part of him was missing. As it happened, it didn't take long for him to figure out what that strange feeling was blooming in his heart was. Love, pure and simple. But while he got the shock of his life when he figured that out, what he got an even bigger shock was when the Queen decided to take a massive leap of faith and to touch him and show him her feelings telepathically. Both of them were overjoyed to find out that those feelings that they were both hiding away in the back of their hearts were perfectly in sync. But they weren't only the blooming, only blooming couple around. As the days marched on and the whole village started to grow around them, so did the love. Very quickly, pretty much everyone had paired off. To be fair... And to much Jack and Tick's amusement, there wasn't a single same-species couple among the entire group. As it turned out, if you took the human children out of the equation that were, there was exactly the right amount of humans to pair them off with either a jute or a queen. To that end, all three of the queens had gotten their deepest wishes and found themselves a very open-minded human male. 
One was Yoshi Nobuku, another had claimed Cortez, and also been claimed by him. And the last one would have been aboard Jack's ship, found herself on the receiving end of some very welcome attention from a young Irishman among the human soldiers called Murphy. All the others had managed to pair off themselves with a Yejuta. Even Angel had managed to get past her prejudices and fear and decided to get closer to the young warrior she'd met in the crimson armour. As it turned out, he had been looking at her that day in the cave. Miller got his witch, finding his a big, beautiful Yejuta woman in the form of the gentlest one of the lot, a jack. He found himself sat next to her at nearly every joint meal, and the two found themselves talking at length about their lives. He found himself playing counsellor to her, as he got her to open up about the horrors that Loki had inflicted on her. Although he already knew of them, through her memories that were still burned into his, he listened intently to her as she unloaded her feelings, because he knew that it was helping her to find herself, and he also found that he was becoming very fond of the big gentle Yejuta. And before long, the inevitable happened, and they both gave in to their growing bond and love. As the village grew, Soon, too, did most of the love, so much so that Jack and Tick's delight that they found themselves having to blow and bless a new heart claim every single night as the group meals, and the Yoshi's leadership, and with his new love at his side, would come to name Citrus after his favourite flavour. But we won't get into how he decided that was the perfect name for her, but it was safe to say both species found out they were much more than just compatible than they'd ever dared to dream of. The village sprung up at an amazing rate. He formed the clan into teams based on their specialities and skills. Whether it be resource procurement, construction, zone clearing, which loves happen to specialise in, with their ability to slice down huge trees with that tail of hers. But just a few swings. He always found himself marvelling at her immense power, while also being on the receiving end of her most gentleness himself. But in just a few short weeks, the place had really taken shape. With all of the dwellings complete, Yoshi turned his attention to planning other things out like defences and schools, which as it happened, they were going to need very soon rather than later, as they thought Tick Ellis had gotten her wish when they found out their beloved Seller and Robert were carrying cubs. Jack was never going to forget the day that Seller broke the news to her mother. He'd been out in the garden working at his forge, but this time instead of weapons he was forging a set of railings for somebody's vegetable garden. He'd heard it sounded what sounded like a death screech so loud he'd been halfway to grabbing his weapons and charging in when the back door burst open and a very excited ticker picked him up from the ground and swung him round like a child, all the while screaming, We're going to be grandparents, my ack! During this time, Ryan also approached his father, and the two had discussed what they'd learned from Pyre about the creep named Blackness that Loki had unleashed onto the universe. The whole family and the clan discussed what they were going to do about it, and none of them truly knew what it was. But Jack's plan was a simple one. Once their village was fully built and secured, and they had the ability to defend themselves from any and all threats, he would then start sending members of the clan to approach other clans, and see if they could convince other like-minded individuals to join their cause. According to both Tick and Shanna, they would be able to sure to convince quite a few of the Yejuta females to join the course, and more than a few males possibly as well. Meanwhile, he and a few of the other humans would take a few trips to Earth and see if they could find any other humans to help populate their ranks. If there was going to be a stream of love-hungry Yejuta females clambering to join their ranks, they were going to need an equal amount of love-hungry human males and females willing to open their minds and take a walk on the wild side to make those numbers up, especially as Ryan informed his father that it would be hybrids that be the ones that would be fighting on the front line, while some of those would be led to become dream warriors. Jack's heart was heavy at this time, as he knew that no matter how hard they already fought, they were still fighting and bloodshed to come. But his beloved tick, Aleth, placed a knowing hand on his shoulder and steeled his nerves with her strength. Then if it is a fight the trickster god wanted, it is a fight we will give him. And if it falls on Clan Mason to pull the universe's collective arse out of the fire, then so be it. We'll take this burden 
and will carry it with pride. I hereby announce the creation of the training of the Guardian Corps. These will be warriors trained in both very best of human and Yujuta hunting and combat techniques. They will be specialists in everything from sniping to stealth and be able to operate independently of the clan or with its full support at their back. They will be tasked with hunting down and eliminating any source of this evil that they find, while at the same time spreading the word of the, to the other Yujuta and human clans and to other species that they stumble across along their way, that if they are unhappy with the way their lives are, that maybe there's another one waiting for them, if they're brave enough to step up and grab it. We will prove to the universe, and to the porking trickster god, that we are all truly stronger together, he announced to his entire clan. This was a met with applause, as everyone here and now felt like their lives were pretty much incomplete, just like he'd promised them all, those time, all that time ago in the cave. Every one of the human soldiers and the Yujuta warriors among their ranks volunteered for the new found Guardian Corps. For the first time in their lives, their hearts and souls were whole, and nothing and no one was ever going to take this away from them again. This time, they were going to fight for everyone and everything they held dear, and this was not a fight they were going to intend to lose. Tick and Jack grinned at each other. With dedication like this, they were going to have their work cut out for them. They were going to have to stand against the very universe itself. But it was a stance they were willing to take. Because if for not them, then who? But with the aid of their wonderful children and everyone here, they were determined to make this work. They were going to hunt this creamy black down. They were going to win. And they were going to do it together as one. One clan. One heart, one love, one clan mason. The end. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's a little bit of a heavy heart and a, a fair amount of pride and joy that I do say that this was the end of Hunter Hunted. That was the final chapter, chapter 45. And while we let Hunter Hunted go to rest, we can all look forward to what I'm going to do next week, which is to start the enemy of my enemy. Now, with Enemy of My Enemy, the chapters are a fair bit larger. So, it might be a little bit trickier on me to do them, because on average these chapters usually run about half an hour to 45 minutes at the most. But these are usually between 4,500 to 6,000 words on average. So, if you think about it, it takes about half an hour to 40 minutes to listen to each chapter then when you're dealing with chapters that can stretch up to 18,000 words, it's going to be a fair bit longer. But I'm up for the challenge. I just, you know, might have to split some of the chapters up into multiple parts just to make it be a little bit more palatable. But don't worry, if I am doing that, I will warn you in advance that that's going to be happening. So, while Hunter Hunted falls, time for Enemy of My Enemy to rise. So, until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying... I'll see you next time.